Well, one of the last things I wanted to do before my vacation was, well, make sure Jim Lauk was set up for baseball. And boy, had some dramatic moments to call, but unfortunately two losses. We'll get there in just a second. But also wish well and sort of set you up for all that track and field had coming up with 17 members of the team still going and competing at the NCAA East Preliminary Track and Field Meet with the hopes of advancing to the last track and field meet, the one in Eugene, Oregon, the quintessential track and field complex in the United States. And of course, I interviewed a couple of members. I don't think it's a coincidence that they were two of the four bulls still going. Congratulations to all four. The two I interviewed happened to be Sonique Walker, along with Shania Benjamin, Shani Davila, who I've also chatted up for this show, along with Romaine Beckford. And that's the last guy standing that I definitely want to talk to. His work continues in the high jump. Now, you had to finish in the top 12 in your event on day one. Stone Baker finished in 15th place. He did make it to the NCAA championships last year, but just missed out in this case. And it shows you how stiff the competition is because Michael Bourne on day one broke the USF school record in the 110-meter hurdles, 13.91 seconds, a record that had stood for 13 years, and yet it wasn't top 12 in order to advance. Day two, this would have been last Thursday, brought the first bull to post a top 12 finish, Shania Benjamin out of Alonzo High School. Excellent work for Shania, finished seventh in the long jump, 20 feet, 8.5 inches. It was more of a qualifying day, honestly. Friday and Saturday was when the action really came down hot and heavy and included Romaine Beckford easily clearing enough of a height to be one of the top 12 in the high jump, an event that, of course, advanced to the indoor championships not too long ago and was a junior college national champion last season outdoors. He was fifth at the East prelims and just missing out another transfer from Arkansas State, Aaron Carter, who's been great for the Bulls in the throwing events, finished in 13th, again, top 12, as was necessary in the discus throw. David Ajama also finished with a top 20. He performed 19th in the triple jump. We go to Saturday when the relays and everything's wrapping up. This was in Bloomington, Indiana, when Shaney Davila and Sonique Walker both did enough. Eighth place for Shaney in the 100 hurdles. Walker, 11th place in the 400 hurdles. And another 13th place for the Bulls. Unfortunately, they almost were able to bring a relay team in the 4x100. It was Zariah allers Labird, then Benjamin, Hannah Connell, and Kadisha Prescott. So four individuals, congratulations to them all. And of course, we'll be talking more about them as that event actually starts, like I said, a week from today. Then, yeah, since we last left the air, we did a show last Monday. It was both the ends for baseball and men's golf. And like I said, how would you uh, want it to come down where you got that hopes up to here and you can spot the NCAA tournament on the horizon like, well, what UCF experienced last weekend in Clearwater or get it over with soon. Now, obviously, that was not the plan coming in. The USF baseball team unfortunately did get it over with soon. They went from being the champion to being the first team eliminated. And when you go up against East Carolina, which as it turns out, and we'll talk more about them at the end of the hour with Around the American, East Carolina's playing some pretty good baseball. In fact, amazingly went from a team that not too long ago was on the NCAA tournament bubble to, wait, could they be a host if they keep winning? To not only are they a host, they're a potential super regional host. They got an eight seed. And that was the team that the Bulls had to play first. And, well, they gave him a battle, in fact, took the lead. This was stunning stuff, and you could not help but feel the magic possibly being there for the Bulls 
when they took the lead, they were down 3 nothing. as East Carolina, which, as we told you, pretty good about taking leads during this long winning streak, but also answering when they fall behind. It did not seem like the magic was going to be there for the Bulls, as East Carolina was able to take a 3 nothing lead through three innings against Brad Lord. And if you want to really nail down the difference between last year's team and this year's team, it is starting pitching. Of course, Jack Jasiak getting injured and being shut down early this season really set the stage for what was going to be different from last year. And if you go back to the American Athletic Conference Tournament, the Bulls had three starting pitchers give them at least six innings. In this case, two games started. Neither pitcher got out of the fourth inning. In this case, it was Brad Lord. But also the top two bullpen arms who, at minimum, you knew were going to have to perform well for the Bulls. Both had issues in each of these games. Orion Kirkring was brought on, well, into an unexpected lead situation early on. The Bulls left the bases loaded in the fifth inning. Daniel Cantu doubled, Nelly Rivera singled to put runners on the corners, then a walk to Marcus Brodell. So they bring in Trey Yasevich, and he gets the next three, including two strikeouts, and East Carolina had all this momentum until the Bulls loaded the bases again in the next inning. Down 3 to nothing. Carmine Lane singles. Drew Brutcher lays down a single against the shift. Genius, right? In comes Carter Spivey, who only was the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Year. Guy who goes long distances out of the pen. He would not make it long in this one. First, a sacrifice bunt moves the runners over, then a walk to Daniel Cantu. And then a man who had homered all of once in his college career does it again against the top pitcher in the conference. Three to nothing, East Carolina in the sixth, but the Bulls threatening again. Line drive toward the corner and left. Has this got enough legs? It does. It's gone. Nelson Rivera has cleared the bases. It's a grand slam. And the Bulls lead East Carolina four to three. Rivera's second home run of the season. And Rivera has stunned this East Carolina team with a grand slam. Bulls lead it four to three. Oh boy. Like I said, you couldn't help but think the magic of last year was back right then and there. And again, Carter Spivey, who would follow up, giving up a triple to Marcus Brodell. His day was done. And then the next pitcher comes in, Zach Agnos, and gives up a sure deep fly ball that was going to add to the Bulls' lead until it became a play that sparked the Pirates. Another 2-2 to Bozer. Fly ball right field. This should be deep enough to score the run. It's Worrell, the center fielder, makes the catch. Here comes Prodell. Terrific throw, and he got him. Oh, my goodness. What a great throw by Bryson Worrell. From deep center field, he hit Ben Newton, the catcher, on the fly. And out at home plate is Brodell. 99 times out of 100. That ball by Bozer is deep enough to score the run. This time it's a double play. That's the defensive play of the season, at least that we've seen so far, by Bryson Worrell. We go to the bottom of the sixth. South Florida four, East Carolina three. Bryson Whirl, Whirl, Burley. He is just a big dude and a stud, and unfortunately, he would do more. As we said, East Carolina loves to answer you right back, and to their credit, 
or Ryan Kirkring comes in, two quick outs, no balls thrown to his first two batters. Then they get a single from one of their spunky guys, Joey Barini, and then another single, and then a bunt single. Well, there was nothing in the infield about this next hit. So three straight hits, the bases are loaded, and the first pitch to Worrell is a ball, 1-0. and oh. So more sixth inning drama. Bulls 4-3 lead, but now it's bases loaded, two outs, one ball, no strikes on Worrell, who made that remarkable throw last inning. Here's a long drive to right, and it's gone. Grand slam home run. Bryson Worrell, and East Carolina regains the lead. All against Orion Kirkring, as I said on Twitter at the time. Some things you don't have to look up. I'm going to just say it. There's never been a Division I conference tournament game where both teams' best pitchers, including one of them being the pitcher of the year, both guys coming out of the pen, both gave up grand slams in the sixth inning. Usually that's stuff that doesn't happen, just grand slams against top pitchers on each team, but happening in the sixth inning, I'm going to say for sure it had not happened. The problem for the Bulls, that grand slam by Nelson Rivera, their only runs of the game. And you really want to break it down. We talked about the pitching and not getting deep, long outings from your starters, but also the fact that the Bulls, after that game against Cincinnati, remember they had the three players get suspended for rules violations, and we know what happened after that. So they had no bench players, and yet they scored 19 runs. Well, that was midway through the conference season. After that, the Bulls did not get to 10 runs in a game the rest of the year. While I did the math, since then, the total of times a conference team got to at least 10 runs in a game was 21. In other words, sometimes you need your offense to win games for you, and the Bulls just didn't have that on a consistent basis all year long, and they would end their season the next day after losing to East Carolina 7-4 with a loss to Tulane, where again, well, one member of the offense certainly was there, that'd be Drew Brutcher, but you could not get four innings, or you want more, obviously, out of your starter. In this case, it was Ethan Brown. Tulane got six runs off him, all after two were out in the fourth inning, all after he had been spotted a lead in the third. Brutcher and Lane having their opportunity here with two men on base. Oh, one pitch. Fly ball toward left. It's got some carry going back, going back. It's got enough. It's gone. Drew Brutcher, three-run homer. Opposite field is 13th of the year, and the Bulls take the lead over Tulane. Well, it was a way to shut up the green wave chanters real quick, but obviously Tulane would not be silenced. Drew Brutcher would have five RBI. He would add a two-RBI hit. Bouncing ball, base hit into left field. Bulls are going to wave home Monkey. He'll beat the throw, two-run score, and the Bulls are back to within two. It's 7-5, to five, and Brutcher has knocked in five runs in his last two at-bats. Daniel Cantu also made a great catch. And Tulane has the bases loaded with two outs for Brady Morgan. Lefty against lefty here as Volini takes over for South Florida. And he corks one to right field. Cantu going back, going back, and he leaps and makes the catch at the wall and keeps the Bulls in this game. 
Daniel Cantu back against the wall, literally leaped up and made the catch, robbing extra bases from Brady Margot. Bulls lose at 9-6. to six. Mentioned that they only got three and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs from Ethan Brown, but then Hunter Mink came on and also gave up three runs. So you had your top two arms for the Bulls, Kirkring and Hunter Mink, all year long as far as pen guys not being able to go beyond one inning. And you really need those guys to give you multiple innings to have some sort of extended run like Tulane had. For example, Michael Massey got the four-inning save, only gave up one run as the Bulls' season came to an end in Clearwater. And while I'm thinking of it, one other two-lane note, a freshman, Teo Banks, who had a thumb injury, suffered in the first week of the season, so we did not see him in New Orleans. He's the guy who had the big two-run triple and a home run against the Bulls. And you're thinking, oh, wow, what a fluke. He actually hit for the cycle the next game, so the triple and the homer he duplicated in a 13-5 win against Cincinnati. They would go on to challenge East Carolina on Saturday, but fall out in the semifinals. And we'll get more into it. Obviously, we've not wrapped up talking about baseball. We've wrapped up talking about the season. We can tell you that Pete Strezlecki, former baseball player for the Bulls, of course, he was the one-two punch with Sugar Shane. McClanahan got his call up. Did not pitch last night. I checked the box score for Milwaukee, but he is on the Brewers' active roster. Also yesterday, Jared Eaton and Keanu Jacobs-Guichard both announced they're entering the transfer portal. I had nothing but pleasant experiences with those two young men, and like I said on Twitter, wishing them the best. And this late addition to the program, I did not catch this honestly yesterday, Nick Gonzalez is going to play his graduate transfer year at a different school announcing that, so kind of leave shortstop wide open for the Bulls, I'm sure that. Billy Mullen's staff left plenty of time to come up with an option there, but three Bulls departing, including Gonzalez, who was fantastic, especially at the end of the season. Finally, unfortunately, like baseball, you know, kind of knew it was over soon. That's men's golf, which was right around 30th in the country. They came into the postseason ranked 31st, and, well, there were 30 teams that advanced to the NCAA Finals in Scottsdale, and the Bulls finished 28th. They were near the bottom three the whole time, just didn't get that one big round they were able to put together as they advance out of the regional stage. Day one, as a matter of fact, the best Bulls score was five over par. Now, this was not an event where under par was happening. In fact, there was a three-way tie for the lead through four rounds of stroke play at 14 over par. So you didn't have a whole bunch of great individual efforts. Unfortunately, you just need a little bit more consistency, and the Bulls could never string it together. Day two, their best score again was five over. That would be Albin Bergstrom. Day three, They had a couple of four-over par rounds. Those were, as it turned out, the best of the weekend for the Bulls. That was Bergstrom again along with Luke Gifford. Bergstrom ended up 14-over par individually, tied for 87th. Obviously, when you're trying to finish among the top 15, you're going to have to have guys that are scoring a little bit higher than that. Granted, the Greyhawk Golf Club was not surrendering many great rounds. There was one incredible round turned in by Patrick Welch of Oklahoma, a 63, seven under par, and then in round three, he would shoot 77. So that shows you how fickle that golf course was playing. And the crazy part about it, I said this on Twitter, you know, it happens where the region hosts are kind of favored, such as the softball tournament and other sports, where you actually have the top eight seeds as your national quarterfinals. Happened, I think, in volleyball this year on the team level. 
but it is almost impossible if you think about it for the top eight computer ranked golf teams to be the eight quarter finalists. After three rounds, it was pared down from 30 to 15 teams. And then the fourth round decided who the eight quarter finalists and that's match play were. And they actually ended up being the top eight golf teams by computer ranking. Good job, golf computers. Yesterday was both the quarters and the semis of match play, and the teams that survived that were Texas and Arizona State. They'll play for the championship today, but the Bulls' season ended early. Out in Arizona still, they got to the NCAA Finals, something only 30 teams in the country can say that they did. And not a whole lot of ladies can say they are playing in the U.S. Women's Open, which begins on Thursday in Southern Pines, North Carolina, and in the second group of the day. Starting on the back nine, one of the amateurs in the event would be USF's own Melanie Green. Saw her head coach, Erica Brennan, tweeting out early on this Wednesday morning how they're there at the U.S. Women's Open. So what a moment of pride that is for the program and best of luck to MG starting on Thursday. That's going to wrap up this Wednesday version of Bulls Beat again. The summer schedule, so we'll be three times a week. Talk to you again on Friday. I'm Derek Sharp.